0: You are now listening to the High Def Performance Podcast, hosted by Mitch Harb and Zach Smith. All right, this week's guest is Kelly Edwards, head coach of Bellevue High School Basketball and also founder of Local Hoops. Speaking of local, Kelly Edwards is a local legend out here. We are super excited for you to hear this. Tons of great tips on leadership, getting through to the youth. Uh, definitely a lot of valuable lessons and just a cool story uh, from from starting local hoops and getting to, to where he is today. Pump for you guys to hear that and let's get into it. Cool. Well, we got we got Kelly Edwards here. We appreciate you taking the time, man. I, I know you're you're busy in playoffs. Congrats on on all that. Um, sure oh, you guys just got a big win last night, right? Or was it last night? Two nights, right? Two nights, yeah.
1: Wednesday, yeah. We just won the the Kingco Championship um, for our conference. We went uh, undefeated in conference and playoffs, so that was a big deal.
2: Who's next?
1: We play, so we're so the way the way playoffs works is you go conference so basically there's four weeks of february and four rounds of playoffs so you'll go the first round you start with conference playoffs then you go district playoffs then you go regionals and then the state tournament so next for us is districts we'll play metro which is the seattle schools Um, we'll go into districts as a kinko one one seed Uh, so we'll get a first round bye on saturday which is when the districts start Uh, so you know it's it the win last night was big for us as you skip the loser out round. So the first round on Saturday, half the team, the districts get wiped out. because um, loser, win, Winner advance and then loser go home. And that's the situation we were in last year. And we lost, lost a t- to a tough Metro school uh, last year. So um, we'll play the winner tomorrow. We'll play the winner of Metro five and Metro seven, which is uh, Seattle prep and Lakeside. They'll we'll
2: play the winner of that game you gotcha. awesome. nice well, good luck with that we're looking forward to seeing the
0: result for sure yeah and uh i mean on top of that you've got local hoops which which you started tell us tell us a little bit about how that came together and and what that is for for people who haven't heard of it.
1: Yeah, so I'll um, I'll make this show this story you know short and sweet. I probably told this story a hundred times and it, it can get lengthy. So you know this this the the, sh- the short of it is you know local hoops is my passion project. Um, you know this is something that allows me to still stay around the game of basketball. Um, I love kind of being in that teacher and mentor. Uh, role with and it really doesn't matter who it is right whether it's people that are younger than me whether it's boys or girls whether it's people that are my age or people that are older quite frankly um and basketball just happens to be my main passion outside of my family so um it started off uh, we started off just training when i was a junior in college uh, i went to two years at highline community college and then i played finished up playing college in lewis and clark in portland um, and I had the keys to the gym where, you know, we could go work out and basically after my junior year, um, I put an ad on Craigslist and, uh, we, I said, Hey, you know, I'm a trainer in Portland. Um, if your athlete is looking for some skill development in the spring and summer, then let me know. And that's how it started with, you know, probably four kids and we would work wow. out wow. and then, um, and then it just kind of took off from there. And then I obviously, you know, I, I'd come home in the summer times. Uh, And, you know, I carried that on to to back home and then I did that all my senior year. And then so this was this was all really just kind of a pastime as my goal was always to play in the NBA. And so, um, you know, in the offseason, the summertime, I would I'd be working out, you know, three times a day. I'd come come up, wake up in the morning, work out nine to eleven, go back, get something to eat, shower. And then come back weights you know two to three and then come back eat shower and then go back for like a five on five workouts um from like six to six to nine so i couldn't really go up to a job and be like hey you know i'm available 12 to two and you know four (laughs) to six can you hire me you know what i mean so um i was working kids out in between in between my workouts and um you know that it was just. To me, it was more something that I enjoyed and it was really just, you know, kind of gas and food money, quite frankly. Um, so I graduated in 2011 and that was when the uh, NBA lockout happened, the most recent one the lockout. So that's when you saw a couple guys going overseas to get, you know, to keep playing. I don't think we started playing that season till right around Christmas, um, maybe later. And um, so, you know, I didn't have I went to Lewis and Clark. Um, one of the main reasons I went to Lewis and Clark was I had a very kind of transparent and frank conversation with the coaches. And I'm like, I've got about two, two more years in college and I want to play after college. Like that is, that's just my goal. There's, there's no plan B. And they're like, that's great. You know, we, we've we got a lot of experience. Some other coach that was there was, um, you know, coach of the year. He had been at US uh, USF for like 20 years. He coached professionally over in Japan. And then my the head assistant was an All-American who played over, overseas in Germany. They're like, we, we still have, you know, connections overseas. That's not a problem. We can help you with that. And I'm like, perfect, cool. Like I turned down other bigger schools to go there. Um, So, <clears throat> you know, we had a deal where the, there was an all-league guy that was a year older than me. And he was over in Adelaide, Australia. And he, um, he was playing his first year, my senior year. And we had a good senior, I had a good senior year, my, at Lewis and Clark. My last year, we got ranked like 24th in the country. We were winning, we were doing well um and as i during my senior year he was signing a one-year deal and he decided that just overseas life isn't him isn't wasn't for him and for those who don't know overseas basketball is a grind i mean unless you're like a major high-level guy that's going over there and starting off you know with half a mil to a mil, and you're in a big market and you're in Euro League, and even then you know it's still a grind so um he got engaged out there and he's from Arizona. He was just going to go, go back home. And then him and I were basically just going to swap, you know? And I was like, cool. We were both, you know, combo guards. They had already seen me. They knew kind of the experience and the lineage of, of like the character of guys that come over here from Lewis and Clark. So it was already a done deal. So I didn't sign an agent. So fast forward to the lockout happens. And I don't know anything about this process. Right. I'm like, no, you don't need an agent. You know, the, the um the the countries like athletes that don't have agents because agents drive up the price and i'm like all right well you say so cool you guys are, you know cool and so lockout happens and adelaide's like yeah we're just we're just gonna wait for a second and i'm like my bags are packed i'm like what you mean wait i'm ready to go what do you mean and i'm, I'm already like, here uh, yeah what do you mean and um, so they're like, Oh, you know, we'll, we, mind you, I'm going to the second division, of Adelaide, like no NBA guys are going over there for like three, four five grand a month. Right. Like they're going for like similar money as the, to the leave as they can get. And they're like, Oh, you know, well, we just heard this person went overseas or, or from the NBA, just came overseas and this person blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right. So I just keep working out. Right. I'm working out, working out. Usually you leave like in August In August hits nothing. September hits, they're like, you know, just stay ready, just stay ready. And that's when you miss the first wave to go over there. You can literally get a call on Tuesday like, hey, you know, you need to leave tomorrow. Like, you have to be literally be ready to just, just go. You know what I mean? Wow. So, you know, I'm working out, working out. People ask me, like, what are you doing here? Like, are you supposed to be gone or whatever? And I'm just, I'm telling this story 1,500 times. And um eventually they're just like yeah we uh we, we we went in another direction we went with somebody else um scott went to rutgers so now i'm just sitting here and now at this point it's like november my the the next season for lewis and clark after i graduated they had already started so you know the coaches are, are busy with that and i don't have an agent so deals fall through what uh, what i didn't know clearly is that deals fall through all the time but that's what agents are for so the eight your agents are shopping you around for like 10 you know 10 or so different jobs and then you get to pick one one falls through, it doesn't really matter because you got other stuff going on. If you don't have an agent and you don't have any connections outside of the one that falls through, you got of luck. So, you know, so I go back to the drawing board and I'm just like, what is going on? Like, I'm seeing guys that I'm way better than go, getting ready to leave and guys that I'm working out with. I like, I killed him in the summer. Like, what are, we, what are we talking about right now? So, but I don't have any connection Then I didn't play. It'd be, it's different if you played like on TV your, your whole career, right? If you play from the North Carolina's or whatever, you can just send over tape and be like, yo, check my stats. But I'm putting up numbers, but the, you know, at the division three level there, it doesn't correlate to them as much. They, they people in China and Spain or whatever, they never heard of losing Clark. Losing losing Clark's not on TV. So I kept on going back and forth. I'm like, I know I, know I can play over here. So fast forward, you know that we go around the next opportunities. You can go what's called a reverse season, so you can go in January. So normally the regular season is, is August, and you come back around like June. You can do a flip season where you leave in January because some some countries start their seasons at different times. You can do a flip season that starts in January. I try to get ready for that, falls through. So then, mind you, I'm not working still, right? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm working. I'm still working out, so I don't have. It. So some of the some of the countries they're calling like, yeah, you can buy a one way. And if we like you, we'll keep you. I'm like, what? Find a one way ticket to a country I've never been to. Don't know anyone out there. And then if y'all don't like me, I'm just stuck. First of all, I don't have any money for a one way anyway. So I'm just super frustrated, you know, and, and still working kids out. You know what I mean? Just just highly irritated with this situation. But, you know, I'm sticking to it, sticking to it. So um, eventually I'm, I'm like, OK, well, you know, I have, I have to start I have to start figuring out what's going on. I might need to you know, have a plan B here. So I started kind of really pushing the training side with local hoops. And um, so I was working with like four or five kids. So that four or five, when I started pushing it, it went up to like 30. And I'm, I'm from Bellevue. So I had, you know, my coaches that could work with me in high school. Um, they let me use the gym and just kind of let me really get the get my foot in the door in terms of, you know, working with kids. But I'd always stayed away from teams because I was just at a level right now where I couldn't really work with anyone unless they were just like they lived, eat, and breathe basketball. So I just didn't have any patience for kids. I didn't have any patience for parents who thought they knew what they were talking about, but had no idea about basketball. So I was literally only working with people like pretty much high school athletes. um But as you expand, you know, as you guys know in the training business, you can't, it's really hard to run a business where you're only working with the 2% of clientele that are just, super locked in right that's just not realistic business wise so um eventually i get a, a you know patient. i'm like well, i'm just gonna grind in the next august i'll go i'll go find a job so this is january so i'm just i shut the door temporarily on you know trying to go overseas and like okay let me grow this in in march of 2012 was the first time i did teams so last month last march was our 10-year anniversary um so mm-hmm. march of 2012 we go Samamish so High School, my seventh and eighth grade coach, my guy to this day. Um, he's like, bro, I got I got some gym space for you. Let's let's rock this teams, you know, let's do it. So I'm like, all right, so we do three high school teams. So my had only been working with 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 like 30 kids. Now we jump into teams and training, go through it high school. You know, we're successful. But again, I don't I don't know anything about this. I just know I know I, that I know basketball, but I've never really coached at a high level before um I don't know any of the landscape or like where the tournaments had a good you know scene I played in it but in terms of like being on the organizational side I didn't know anything about that and so um so fast forward two years in we've been doing this you know the deals kind of come and go come and go uh, by, uh, by about a year and a half um I get a call from Turkey and local says like there's no infrastructure but it's just me pretty much i got me and a couple of my guys that can coach but from a business side there's no infrastructure to it right we're just kind of we're rolling i get a call from turkey and they're like we like you we saw you in the program we've got we've got we got film on you we need you here in two days and so i get the call and i'm like yes let's, let's 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 do this but then I start going through now, but now I'm like a year and a half, two years in with local hoops. And I'm like really starting to love this. Like I'm starting to build a relationship with the kids. Right. Like I'm starting to really understand, dive into the business side of it. Like I understand how the landscape works. And it's at a point where if I leave local hoops is done, like right. there's no way it survives without me. I haven't set it up to survive without me. There's no infrastructure. There's no managers, people in charge, there's no directors, people in charge of thing. There's no nothing. So I'm going back and forth and I know that I'm on like a, basically a 48 hour, you know, plan here to figure out what am I, am I just going to completely collapse local hoops and there is no local hoops and there's, you know, 50, 60, 70 kids right now that the teams and then uh, probably, oh, probably, we're probably about like 150 if we're talking about training and team athletes. I'm like, do I just tell these guys you're done and, you know, I got to go. Or do I keep rocking? But at that point, I had seen the potential of where it could go. And I'm like, this is something I could do for the rest of my life. Like, I, I this is the closest thing that I love to basketball. And ultimately, I had to turn turn them down. And that was a lot. Of, I had to turn Turkey down, told him I wasn't coming. And there was a lot of sleepless nights. Because it was like, I did all this to get to that point. And then I had it in front of me, and I turned it down. And it was just, it was a lot of, and then I would still come back and I was still working out. Like I was still in good shape. Um, you know, I still played, I still play to this day, but it's, it was a lot. I still grapple with it today. I think probably not till probably like a, a year, a year and a half ago. So I grappled with this for like eight years in terms of, you know, cause I I, I was, I'm just a hyper competitive guy and I always wanted to know how well I could do at the professional level. Cause like, you're like, okay, I won three state championships in high school. We made it to freshman, sophomore, and year we won it. Junior year, we won. We went to the state championship and lost, and then won it again my senior year. We I was successful in in college. I feel like I could have pl- played with the, with a lot of the pros that come back here in in the Seattle time, and then excuse me in the summertime that are from Seattle. I'm like I want to know, like yeah. I really know. Like where? How does this translate? Um. So it was, it was a, it was a mental battle. It was a mental battle that I really struggled with for a long time.
2: So what was the, what was that like after turning down Turkey in the immediate like months and weeks? Was it like you kind of went on the grind for the business? Cause you're like, if I'm going to do, I'm going to like get out of playing or like turn down this playing, I get it a hundred percent. Or were you kind of like in, in like Lowell's, for turning down the, the the opportunity.
1: Yeah, so for that past year and a half, I was already like super committed and I had kind of it was basketball was kind of in the back burner. I was still playing because I loved it, but I wasn't working out to get ready. I wasn't really on call like I was just coming out of high, coming out of high school because I really had fallen in love with coaching. And um so but it was I mean it was literally like I would pick up the phone sometimes and call Turkey and tell him that I'm coming and then I'd hang up. And it it was just it was a wild like brain. My brain was like all over the place. And um, yeah, it was it was it was it was wild. And then even like for those years leading up to that, so I played in the I played in the Seattle program basically basically for about 10 years. Um, so right when I got out of college and so you know that the program has grown to be a top three, top four in the country right now and. So you know, you can put film out, and you got three NBA guys on the court, and you have a decent game like that. It's not a bad film to send out, you know what I mean? Um, In terms of what translates, but um, but yeah, man, it was it was very mentally taxing, Uh, and like I said, it took me like eight years to really come to peace with it. You know what I mean? That, and I still, I mean, I got an offer from Japan four months ago. (laughs) But but I mean, now it's now I've got a wife and three kids. So now it's a whole different, you know, uprooting them. You got a house, you got a a whole different type of business. But the funny thing is now local hoops is ran in a way to where there is infrastructure where it's not needed. I can be somewhere else and still manage and, you know, make the operation go and whatnot. But now it's just now it's a, it's a very different calculation.
0: Right. Right. And, transitioning to just coaching you you said like it, it took you a while to, to get over that how has that transition been from like being a player to coaching like was that pretty seamless was there like a lot you had to learn or how, uh, kind of walk us through that process
1: um I don't think there there's always a lot anytime you go into a different profession, even in the same sport, like even if you stay around basketball and you have like being a a high level trainer versus a high level coach is different, even though it's in the same sport, being a business owner in basketball and an organizer or a a quote unquote boss or a manager in that sport is different than coaching. Right. So I'm not going to say that there wasn't um, stuff I had to learn. Um, I would say the biggest thing that I had to learn, I was very impatient. And I, and you know, my, my role model was, was Kobe when I'm playing. So i tried to embody his game and his personality. And as you guys know, Kobe just had a very little tolerance for people that weren't, I couldn't relate to people who didn't naturally like work hard and understand, listen, and listen on the first or second time. But that's just coaching youth. That's just not the reality. There's no way, you know what I mean? It's just people are not. I projected my passions for basketball onto the people that I was working with. And if you didn't, play like that, it was very, we had a rough relationship. I mean, I was kicking people out of training classes. I'm like, you don't want to be here, bro. get out of here. Like it was, it was, I just couldn't relate. You know what I mean? So, and I took it as you were disrespecting the game. So um, definitely a learning curve from there. Um, And then a learning curve of you have to communicate, even if you're right on what you're saying, you have to communicate the message you're trying to get across in a way that the person will re- that you're talking to will re- best receive it. So there's been games that I know that I've lost my team because I took their play those players confidence by telling them th- and I was right in what I was saying, but the way I delivered it is ultimately for for players that 99 of players are trying to are looking to please their coach when they play. Right like they want to make you happy to be their coach most of the time you get your you get your kind of cowboys that you know they're going to do their own thing but the majority of the guys they want them they want to make you happy. And so when you start to see guys they're looking here like this for your approval constantly and they start to be robotic like can I pass this can I shoot this what a, am I going to get in trouble. And, you know, you kind of, kind of strip their confidence to where I had to, it took me a while to do that because I'm hyper competitive. So I would get very intense in the games and all that. And just not everyone could handle that type of coaching. And I took it as them being softer. I'm like, well, I'm the coach. So you just gonna have to learn how to get coached by me instead of figuring out, well, let's adapt here and let's go see what, let's meet them where they're at. And then eventually we can kind of build their, you know, mental toughness and you know, you just have to coach people differently. You can't take, you know, the one side, one shoe fits all approach.
2: I'm curious. I'm curious about what you said with like, you know, the the one kid is hard, easy to coach. The one that like just listens the first time, takes that advice, and 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 does what they're supposed to. I'm sure you work with like over the now ten years, over ten years, you worked with a lot of kids that aren't that way. What what are some of the things you've learned through coaching where you can get through to those kids? Because I think about like coaches that I've had, and some coaches have been able to tell me things and they and they tell me something and I get it the first time and and some people it's like you you could you can hear it a million times but until you live for yourself you figure it out and I find myself now my coach kids I'm like listen to me I have the experience but it doesn't really hit sometimes how do you how do you get through to those those kids
1: one thing that helps is—I mean, there's a couple of things, right? One thing that helps is that I still play, so I can let. Some coaches can't let. Like in the drill, like I can give me the ball. This is exactly what I'm talking about—footwork here. So that helps, right? Um, another thing is—is is that you really have to—you you have to understand that. I mean, and this go—I would say maybe parenting helped me with this, but they just—it doesn't matter how it doesn't matter how you say it, it's, it's, and I guess marriage as well. Like, it's not always what you say, it's how you say it. Right. So if I come up, I'm like, yo man, that's a, I, I like that shirt. That's nice. Right. As people who may not be of that character, and personality they may like, dude, why are you like, I'm like, I just gave you a compliment. What do you mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you just come with that kind of energy. It can just shut people down. You know what I mean? So it was just me having to really master, First of all, all kids start out playing basketball because they think it's fun. F-U-N. Like, if you cannot keep some element of fun about your practice Mm -hmm. and making them want to come back, kids aren't going to be – kids can't really conceptualize, yo, I got to do that. Very few anyway. And especially in, in, like, an affluent community. Like, maybe if you go to the hood and they're trying to play basketball to get out of a situation, they might go through, you know, this toughness and be a little more more resilient. But if you're not dealing with that, like – kids are these kids don't understand the quote unquote the grind and now this is going to pay off think about how many kids don't understand delayed gratification like why am i just busting my butt right now and you know this guy's on me and blah blah blah. like they they don't understand that that's why they they come back 20 years later like yo thank you I, i appreciate you pushing me but in the moment they don't get that so if you're banking on that and even though you're quote unquote right it's just not gonna they're gonna quit before they get to the end so it was just you know trial and error, really, of multiple people that I, you know, push too hard. And that, again, the things I was saying were right. But being right isn't always right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just being right. It's – is it effective? In this moment, does this kid need to be chewed out right now or does he know he already made the mistake and give him a calm response of how to fix it? Like, yo, you're dribbling to the right and they're double-teaming you every time. Like, let's try going left here. You know what I'm saying? Or just something like that. And It's like, God damn, how many times you going to turn the ball over? What? You know what I mean? Like this, he knows that already, right? And so, again, what I'm saying was right. You need to stop turning the ball over. Like, stop. Let's not do this anymore. But it's how you deliver the message, especially in the heat of the moment where there's emotions are already high. Like, you need them to be calm and be able to conceptualize things. Like, you look in the playoffs, you look at, like, all this. It's everybody in the NBA at the two guard is 6'4 to 6'6, 200 pounds, jump out the gym, can shoot it, dribble it, pass it. Right. The people that play are the people that have this, too, and can decision make. You know what I'm saying? So that was probably what took me the longest to really buy into, not buy into, but be able to do that in the moment when I was emotional in the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's something I noticed, too, like in, in at least pictures and like uh, from the recent games that I've seen of you is I was like, man, he looks really calm, like like just level headed. I'm yeah. like. I pictured like you'd be screaming and stuff, but so so catch, you definitely catch me two said. years ago. You, you, you yeah. two years ago. you got some wildness for sure. But that, but that's cool that that you are are like making those adjustments and and picking up on that, and and it shows why um you've been able to have success. What what would you say? And I'm I'm curious. You know, as as leaders of a company, like what are some of your keys to to leadership? That, that you've learned over the years
1: yeah there's so many where do I, where do I start um I think this applies to life and business but you have to have and I'm a I'm like a super alpha male so this was this was hard for me in the beginning um you have to go through a certain maturation to where you realize that it's okay to be wrong publicly make a mistake even though you're the leader. You have to be willing to say, yo, I th- I was wrong. I this this, I apologize, this, this, I made the mistake, you know, and, and like fail critically, you know what I'm saying? Like I made big mistakes, not just like, oh yeah, I picked red instead of green, right? Like, yo, know, this was a big colossal mistake for the company and it was my decision. Um, so the most important thing you have to do is you have to have a solid counsel, like from a leadership standpoint, you can't think that you're just going to curate all these answers that you have the gift of gab. You're going to know how to solve every problem Um, for leadership. I think what made me really good in basketball is that my coaches, even my college coaches, even told me like, yo, I used to get annoyed with how many questions you were asking me in practice because I thought it took it as you questioning me as I didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't realize until afterward that you were literally trying to get like an extremely deep understanding of what we're trying to do. And so that's not that's just something I naturally already did. Um, and I was raised like if you don't understand something, you need to, I don't care who it is, like you need to question that. And it's not question like um, are you sure? I don't think that's right. It's like tell can you explain this to me why why we're doing this? Like I, I really want to know. I'll do it. You're the coach. I just want to know why we're doing it. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times, and even me, like even me, I'll hey, shut up, boy. Cause I took go over there because I told you to do that. You know what I mean? Like, don't worry about it, you're not qualified to ask me that question. And it's not, <laughs> and it's not, it's not that, and maybe sometimes they were but if you but then when you take that approach they become robotic and then you get mad at them for not being able to make reads right like well coach you told me to pass the corner every time like yeah well not if he's denied and you know then not let him get the basketball well you didn't say that you told me to pass the corners that's what i'm doing you know what i mean so i think the biggest thing is is having a council and it doesn't have to be big but just having a couple people that you can go to and like what 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 do you think about this and then ultimately still making your own decision right so I think from a leadership standpoint, having people that you can trust, that you know will have your best interest in, and not just people that you can't have a bunch of yes men. Like you gotta have people like, yo, okay, this, this is wrong, bro, you're, you're, this it's not right. Um, and then after that, you have to listen. Like you have to listen and be able to diagnose the situation um, about what you feel is right, no matter who it impacts, no matter if it impacts you negatively, no matter if you'll make less money, no matter if it you know, makes you look bad temporarily, whatever it is. Um, I would say the second biggest thing is integrity. Like the, one of the main reasons local hoops is, is successful outside of, you know, the work that we put in and the lives we've changed through basketball is that there's no, no story, no no person that can factually back up that local hoops has mistreated them, has lied to them, has, you know, tried to trick them, has stole something from them, has moved in any type of way, that has not been led with integrity. Even the mistakes that we've made were led with integrity. And we just made the wrong decision. We were trying to do the right thing, just we were wrong. Um, whether it was, you know, hey, we didn't communicate early enough on the practice time switch, or, you know, we forgot to add this one. It was, you know, the learning curves that the ebbs and flows when you first started business about communication. Um, and that kind of leads me to my my last one is leaders are great communicators. Like they're planning ahead for communication, they're taking, the people that, you know, quote unquote may be at the bottom of the barrel from like a you might be brand new, but you're communicating with them, you're making them feel welcomed. Um, you're I'm the type of guy that that never really needed the attaboys. You know what I mean? So when I led, I didn't give attaboys. But again, not everyone, some people thrive on that. You know what I mean? Some people like you you go up to them, like, bro, you've been killing it, man. Like I all this success here, like you're playing a huge part in that. And it would be true. It's not me gassing you, like, I'm not. Lying to you, but in my mind, again, going back to how I was raised and how I played basketball, like I would just expected to do well. So when I didn't need people, like when people told me I did good, I'm like, yeah. in my mind, I'm like, I know. You know what I'm saying? But like, just people aren't; they're not wired. Very few people are wired the way I am, and it is what it is. So again, not projecting the way you take or you see the situation to be the only only
2: way to look at it.
1: So i say yeah. those three were would be major.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. I had a question. So, like, you talked about the business organizational structure and kind of how you figured out, like, at first, Local Hoops relied only on you, and if you weren't there, it wouldn't survive. What are the things, you know, a decade in business and running a successful business, that's a long time to be running a business. What are the things have you changed over time and and kind of learned in operating the business side of Local Hoops?
1: Uh, Delegation just realizing that you have to delegate. Um, and my goal necessarily wasn't to scale. I just wanted to be, I just wanted to be the best. Like everything, and, and what I did, and what I did, like that's how I approached basketball. If I got into tennis, that's what I would be like. If I got into business, that's that's just what I wanted. That's only been, that's the only way I know how to move. So, um with that, I said had such a high standard of everything that was turned in, like if it was a document that needed to get a, a newsletter that needed to get out, like it would drive me insane if there was you know, a grammatical error or, you know, if the pictures weren't just right or if it wasn't formatted properly um, or, you know, communication with parents or Jersey designs or whatever that was. Um, I was super meticulous on like every single detail being top level, with, like high quality, everything. Right. Right. Um, And so I would, so, but learning to delegate and I had to, you know, I've talked to Luca about this. I've talked to, you know, just a bunch of people that have been in business for a while is that when you delegate, you have to understand, you have to be okay. Whatever you delegate, you have to be okay with it being 80% of what you would do. Like if they can get you 80, 90% of the production of how you would do it, you got to live with that. And as long as all the core core messaging and the point gets across in a professional manner, even though it's, you know, you would have formatted this differently and worded this the same way, like, okay, did they understand the message you're trying to get to? Yes, I understand it wasn't fancy wording and super eloquent and all that stuff like that. But you know, it did the message get across. And that was that something that you can get off your plate. Because for years I was just and you know, it's still not something you ever perfect, but for years I was just this huge bottleneck. And as you scaled, it was just Everything was just piled up at your door and nothing moved. It was a log jam until you just got rid of that, here, 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 and knocked that out. And it was super slow production. And it caused a ton of issues as we scaled. We went from 30 to 300 athletes in six months. So we just weren't prepared to, we just weren't prepared to have that type, those type of numbers because the system you use, systems you use for 30 people is not the same for 300 so that'll know, we, yeah that'll
2: break your systems really quick
1: yeah for sure and then we went from 30 300 to a thousand so i mean it was it was it's just you know the the, the 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 time period that we scaled and how quickly we did it with and mind you this is no marketing i've never n- never done I, I tried yelp when the past 10 years we did a yelp trial for for two months like two years ago canceled it and then i've never done any paid marketing And so it's all just word of mouth just by people doing right by people's family. And in my mind, I'm like, if you do right, people won't, people won't know about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you do right, look at that. And that's how it was. And we saw that like parents were bringing their friends by the droves, like bandfuls of cars were coming out. Like, yo, yeah, we told them about local hoops. Well, like they're coming to tryouts. They're coming to try. I'm like, how did you hear? We had to start adding it in. Like, how did you hear about local hoops? You know what I'm saying? Like, how are you hearing about this? So, um. So yeah, it was, it was it was a very interesting way. I would say delegation was probably the biggest, one of the biggest hurdles that we had to get to. And then just getting, I just naturally don't trust people in general. Not that I distrust them. And I think you're going to do something where I just don't know if I can trust you because I put so much into this. If you, I can trust that you're going to have the same intentionality that I'll have. So um, just, you just have to find people that you trust in the council and you got to find people that buy into the vision as much as you do. And then once you have them, you got to make sure that they are, they don't want for anything.
0: Yeah. So, wow. That's good advice. That's I great love, advice. I love that. What, you know, I guess I kind of know some of the future plans. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but what is like your future vision for, it? I mean, your, your thousand plus kids. Are you trying to get to five? Like what, is, what does that look like for the local hoops? Yeah.
1: So I'm, I'm born and raised in, in Bellevue. Bellevue. Um, our program will always be in Bellevue. We've had up uh, the, the next step would be, um, kind of feather in the cap would be to have our own facility. And, um, there's a lot of challenging things financially that go into that, you know, Bellevue's the most arguably the most expensive place in in Washington and one of the top probably five on the West coast and maybe in the world, um, real estate wise, especially right now with how crazy it is. But, um, I think a facility would eliminate some of our logistical issues that we have with getting gym space. Um, luckily, you know, we have a, a good partnership with the Bellevue School District, who is very integral in terms of our success and our our being able to work with as many of these kids in Bellevue that we do. Um, but there are, you know, there are limitations that come along with that. So um, we have we have our goal kind of being like a, a wellness and a mentorship center to where it'll be. Like I knew nothing about taking care of your body when I was playing, like when I was playing competitively, like my body it's at, at 34, my body feels 10 times better than it did in high school, which is, should not be the case in theory, right? Like I'm, I, I never, never really stretched. I do a couple leg swings and then come out and play. And, you know, when you're in high school, middle school, you're rubber anyway. So, you know, you can just put your shoes on and a couple couple of shoe wipes and you're good to go. Um, <laughs> But, you know what I'm saying, that's just not sustainable, right? And I would have these knee pains and, you know, my parents, my mom didn't really play sports. My dad played, you know, football whatnot. My dad was, a, you know, a gridiron guy, like, break your finger, like, get out there and go play. You're all right. You know what I'm saying? So there was no, there was no intentionality behind, like, taking care of your body. You know what I mean? So, um we, our goal would be to, you know, have like a wellness center where, you know, we've got people like you guys, people that just can come in and educate people at a younger level. And I think that's a huge reason why you see so many injuries in youth sports is because there's no education behind it. It's not cool. Like if you can make taking care of your body and that's why I think somehow we have to capitalize on what LeBron is doing because this era eventually is going to stop. I'm like, this was not by accident. Like, yes, he's absolutely genetically gifted, but he was, for 20 plus years, he was extremely intentional about how he took care of his, his body and what he did. That message and that story has to get passed down to the youth. It has yeah. to. And he's at that level where everyone loves him to where if LeBron, did, if you and I tell him, they're like, yeah, all right, cool. But if LeBron's like, yo, this is what LeBron did, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, okay, well, let me try that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, we have to, have, you have to, you have to start making that cool. You know what I mean? Um, but... In terms of being like a wellness center where you can go in and and you know maybe it's cryo maybe it's you know compression maybe it's a cold plunge maybe it's you know just general stretching and mobility talking about hip mobility and what half the kids don't even know what that is what yeah. is hip mobility you know what i'm saying just all that type of stuff to where you're nutri- not to mention nutrition which is always a constant grind with you know the way food is produced here and just all that type of stuff that goes into taking care of your body and then being almost like a basketball university like you can go overseas and go to like actual basketball schools, you know, when you're younger Um and, you know, teaching the game, teaching the terminology, teaching the why to where you're not just relying on athleticism to play where you're actually learning the game um, and stuff like that and where you have classrooms and then, you know, take it take, uh, take it a step further to where we have an actual mentorship center for stuff that's going on outside of basketball. You know, what I mean, like a lot of kids just don't have and COVID was a huge huge magnifying glass for that to where when you shut down that social aspect it hurt a lot of people from you know a mental standpoint and mentors yeah. weren't able really to be in touch with people there wasn't outlets you know and even like when i was growing up in, in in bellevue like all the community centers we had late night we had you know just teen events where you could just go the community centers were packed like i go to the community centers now and they're empty or there's adults in there like, there's no – there's just no kids in community centers or parks anymore. You don't drive up and see the parks being packed in the summertime with kids playing and stuff like that and basketball and whatnot. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm from here, so I want to get yeah. back. And I feel like that played a, a big part in terms of who I am and the community and all that type of stuff like that. And I don't think there's really anything we can do to compete with the video gaming technology era, era to make that go away. And I don't even think you need to. I think, you know, you kind of – instead of trying to fight with it, you got to bring it all together in some way. Maybe you can yeah. make some type of video game, you know, community engagement, something like that, you know, oh, e- so, oh,
2: e-sports and real sports all, all in I'm, one building. We got to do something, but
1: essentially just getting people in the community based around something athletic is just going to be beneficial for everybody.
2: Yeah. It's a powerful vision and, and I'm excited to watch you execute it. It's, it's already been cool to like kind of research your company to see and now hear the story. Uh So we appreciate your time before we, before we jump off, I know we want to be respectful of your time. We just want to ask you one more question because we know you're a, a fan of basketball. What are your thoughts on all the NBA trades that went on and, and now who's your favorite team in the NBA uh to win it? To win it.
1: Listen, dog. Look, look, my, look, I'm gonna be a Laker through and through. So I'm uh, it's Laker gang or don't bang. I don't I don't I don't care how bad we are, how good we are. I'm not a no fair weather Laker, man. I I made my pact once once I once I crowned Kobe. So <laughs> um, you know, we, we gonna figure something out, man, we, we, go, we go, spin some things, you know, I was really hoping for Kyrie to, to come to the Lakers, but you know, it wasn't meant to be. Um, but I do like, I think that this was one of the wild, one of the more wild, you know, trade deadlines in terms of all the movement. Um, uh, I don't think the suns have a deep enough bench to, to really win, but I think that their first five can rock with anybody in the world. Um, I'm very interested to see if there's enough basketballs in Dallas for Luka and Kyrie to still be the players that they are. Um, but I think the teams that are going to be really strong in the East are Milwaukee and um, and the Celtics. I think that you know defensively they'll be really hard to score against. Um, and the West is the West is wild, man. The wild wild West is is crazy. I think Denver is still really solid. Uh, there's a lot of teams. So to give you my clear cut winner, I don't think anybody knows really. I don't think anybody yeah. just said these guys have a It's it's open it'll be, season.
2: It'll gonna be fun.
0: Yeah. yeah, it'll be fun to watch <laughs> the end of it. So sure. All right, man. For well, sure. we appreciate your time. I, I know you gotta jump off. Um, but thanks for thanks for taking the time out and it's been great to connect with you. We're looking forward to the Jamboree as well. Yeah. No, no doubt. Appreciate you guys.
2: And we'll link up all the uh like local hoops in the show notes and, and kind of your social media and stuff. Is there anywhere else that you want people to be able to find you besides the website and social media profiles?
1: No, that should be good. The website and social media straight.
2: Awesome. Well, thanks again for the time. Uh, We'll talk soon.
1: All right, man. Appreciate you guys. Take it easy. Later.